How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode number 28 of Master My Garden podcast. In this week's episode, I'm covering the topic of robotic mowers and auto mowers. And I suppose it's something that's of particular interest to me because at this point in time, I spend quite a bit of time mowing grass. And it's always, you know, time that's evening time when maybe you should be doing other things with, with the kids and so on. And I know to be able to take out that that weekly job and to have something more on your grass while you're in eating your dinner sounds like an, a very attractive option. Uh, you have the added benefit then of, you know, if you get a, a couple of wet days and you, you don't get to cut the lawn for a few days that it gets a bit too advanced and then your mower is under pressure and it doesn't cut it as clean and so on. So it's of particular interest to me at the moment. Now, my one of my concerns with it was that I'm not, my our garden is not finished so we have a lot of flower beds a lot of plans for those type things to happen so I'm wondering that if we go put in uh, a containment system a wire wiring system around the garden is that going to have to be moved every time and how difficult is that so I had a lot of questions about it and I've been asked lots of questions about it so I said it was a good topic to cover uh, certainly a very very interesting topic and if somebody said 15 years ago that your lawns would be cut by a robot and people would have thought you were correct but when you hear you know what's coming down the tracks it's only the tip of the iceberg as to what these machines are going to be doing uh, over over the next number of years and I think maybe the maddest thing that you can think of currently might actually be possible over the next 10 or 15 years as, as technologies develop so because it's a subject that I'm not, you know, I know a little bit about, but I wanted to get somebody who's an absolute expert on it. And so this week I'm talking to Andy Walsh, who's the after sales manager of Husqvarna Ireland. So Auto Mower is the brand that they do. It's the very original one of these robotic mowers. And to be honest with you, Andy is, you know, he's the, he knows everything to do with auto mowers, has been working on them since the 90s, even though it's hard to believe that they're around for that length. So he really has all the answers and it's it's a great chat and really explains everything you know in brilliant detail so let's get stuck in to this week's episode Okay, so as I said, we're joined by Andy Walsh, uh, after sales manager for Husqvarna Ireland, and we're going to talk about, well, mostly we're going to talk about the Husqvarna Automower today and automowers in general. And it's a question that has come up quite a bit, so I wanted to get an expert on it, of which I'm not. So uh, Andy is going to, I suppose, give us an introduction to it, and he's going to run us through sort of the questions and answers that people have when they're looking at this and deciding whether automower is for them or not. So Andy, you're very welcome to Master My Garden podcast. Thank you very much, John. Glad to be here. Um, I suppose just to get started on it, automowers as a concept, um, they have been around for a while, but to be honest, I personally haven't really noticed them or taken much notice of them in the la- up until, say, maybe 10 years ago, and particularly over the last six or seven years. So, And I know you've been working on automowers since the 90s I think you said 98 <laughs> wow so maybe give us a bit of a run through of where Automore started and why it has taken so long to maybe get going and where it is today well to start off with John in 1995 there was a guy in Sweden who uh, came up with the concept and he actually invented uh, the Automore not known as the Husqvarna Automore at the time but he invented it and Husqvarna very quickly saw the potential in it and bought the concept from him. Mm-hmm. Um, that was 95. In 19, just late 95, Husqvarna introduced their very first automower, which was a solar-powered okay. automower. Um, obviously worked very well in southern <laughs> European countries. That's what I was thinking. Uh, but didn't work terribly well in nor- northern hemisphere countries yeah. because... Uh, of the um, need for light to operate the machine. So in 1998, they introduced the very first battery-powered one. Okay. And the battery-powered one was what we call Generation 1. And 
was a bit primitive. When I look back now, after 21 years of working with Automars, um, I have to laugh because it always reminds me, I always equated to, do you remember the first digital watch that was ever introduced? Yeah. Casio, I think, introduced yeah. it, and everybody had to have one. It was the thing of the day. It was the latest technology in watches, and everybody had to have one, and they were quite expensive. And then after about a year, they were giving them away with a gallon <laughs> of petrol in your local carriage. Yeah. That's how quick technology moves on. And where we were in 1998, I'm always reminded of this, is that to operate the machine, you had to carry a little card around with you, a little okay. laminated card. I, use, I still have one downstairs I use as a bookmark yeah. for my books. And on this card, back and front, were all of the beeps and lights that you had to interpret from the machine. All you had was a keypad with six LEDs and a number of beeps. Okay. And you had to interpret by, I remember this one well, uh, two beeps every 10 seconds, right? And number six LED flashing meant that the machine was charging. <laughs> and when I look back at it now, it, it seems so primitive, but it was the beginning of a journey. It sounds like a nightmare for an after sales manager. Well, I have to tell you, for the actual techies of this world, it was a dream. Right. A machine that cut the grass on its own. Yeah. You know, it was terrific. But for the ordinary 58, I remember the first show that we did was over in uh, Kilmainham. Uh, myself and our marketing director, uh, Tony Brady, who took on the mantle of this and trying to develop it. And we did a show over there, and we had it set up to do, to demonstrate. And everybody thought that it was everything from a skateboard <laughs> to, you know, what was it? It was, a, you know, trying to explain it's a robotic lawnmower. And nobody could get their head around the concept of it. And um, when I look back on it <laughs> today, they were fun times. But I have to tell you, it was a struggle. I think in the very first year we sold five automars. Okay. And um, they were two technical people who just had to have the latest gadgets. Yeah. And um, we've worked incredibly hard over the years, and 21 years, and you can see the development of the automar. When you look at what we have today, it is absolute light years ahead of what we had in 1998. Uh, intuitive displays, ultrasonic sensors, for loop sensors uh, it, it's just the technology we can go into it a little bit more detail if you want later on but um, where we are today is just light years ahead of where we were in 98 and as I say it's 21 years now that I've been working with Automars for Husqvarna here in Ireland and I often say it's not a destination it's a journey <laughs> and when I see what's coming in the future in the very near future you will be absolutely blown away by this. Because I often say to people, think of the craziest thing that you can think of to do with an automar. Right. Or what an automar can do. And it's already happening. Okay. So there's more development, so Oh, and my God there is. And absolutely. is that in terms of the functionality of it or actually the jobs that it can do, or is it a bit the of both? Functionality, the technology uh, just to give you one brief thing, we have a concept idea, and it's actually being developed, where we have not so much uh, domestic customers, but commercial customers. We're okay. looking to break into the commercial grass cutting business, where we will have machines cutting maybe 20, 30,000 square meters. Okay. Okay. But the idea is that the machines are controlled from a central point. So you can imagine a landscaper who has all of these customers and he has a couple of drones and he gets the drones to pick up the automars in the morning and drop them to the location that the grass had to be cut, drops them down and the mower is reporting back to the central station all the time. Okay. So knows exactly what's being cut, when it's being cut, what height it's being cut at. Every, all the information is fed back. And, and then at the end of the day, the, the drones go and pick them back up, bring them back to the yard where they can be serviced and ready for work for the next day. Wow, and that's where it's going. That is not a million miles away. Wow, amazing. 
And that, that to me, I mean, I'm turned 60 this year, and I've seen an awful lot in this business. Mm -hmm. I'm the aftermarket manager for all of the products that we sell, from chainsaws, brush cutters, hedge trimmers, riders. Every single day, I am amazed by the development of the automobile. And not only that, the development in general battery power products that we have here in Husqvarna. Husqvarna have the biggest and best range of battery power products from chainsaws, brush cutters, hedge trimmers, riders. All of this is the future of our business. Internal combustion, as I mentioned to you before the interview started, John, is a thing of the past. We are going, as a human race, legislate against internal combustion because it is the most inefficient way to convert energy. We've known that since Mr. Otto invented the internal combustion engine. Yeah. But today, we know that if this planet is to survive, we have to get rid of them. And we're bringing in here in Ireland, you already know that in the last budget, we increased the carbon tax on fuels, on fossil fuels, and that will increase. But everybody sees this. Yeah. And to me, the sensible approach that Husqvarna have taken in developing their products, which is battery power. Okay. So the technology itself is just going to the moon and back. That was a, that was a question I was going to ask, which is not related to Automore per se, and we, we might just dip into it now quickly, is that mm. um, battery-powered implements of all sorts, trimmers, chainsaws, mm -hmm. hedge cutters, and so on, Again, I suppose going back to the initial stages of that technology, they were given problems, but I'm mm -hmm. told now, and I have no evidence, but mm -hmm. you'll know, um, that the, the batteries now, the technology now, the products now are much, much better than they were, say, three or four years ago. So are they getting yeah. to the stage where people can... I'm a great, I'm a great painter, and you might indulge me a little bit, John, yeah. in that I'll try and be a little bit technical, because I like to show off a little bit. <laughs> A lot of people, when they consider battery-powered products, consider the battery. Yeah. But the battery is only the power source. The magic is not in the battery. The magic is in the motors. Okay. And if you know Mr. Dyson, who's the world leader in uh, vacuum cleaners, vacuum cleaners yeah. and he's also gone into a lot more products as well besides, has a motor that's probably a few centimeters in height and width and spins yeah. at such astronomical speeds that you could never countenance that in an old brush motor. All we ever do when we develop a motor or an engine is all we're doing is converting energy. We take in an internal combustion engine chemical energy in the form of petrol and we convert that using internal combustion. In fact, we just set fire to it yeah. and it explodes. And then we gather up whatever usable energy we have left, which is mechanical energy to drive the piston down, turn the crankshaft, turn the blade, cut the grass. Yeah. The efficiency of that in the best engine is probably less than 20%. Okay. So for every joule of energy we put into that internal combustion engine in the form of petrol, which is the most concentrated form of energy known to man, we only get less than 20% of that back out. Yeah. So where does all the energy go? Exhaust. Well, anybody who's ever put their hand on a muffler of an internal combustion engine after it's been running for a minute or so yeah. will know. We lose it in heat, mainly. But we also lose it in vibration. People think vibration, that's not it. Of course it is. It's a waveform. Mm -hmm. So it's a form of energy. We also lose it in noise. You know, the noise of an internal yeah, combustion. Yeah. That's another energy loss. So we're losing it in heat, vibration, and in noise. In a bushless motor that we have in our machines today, in the Automore, in all of our battery-powered products, we incorporate, as Mr. Dyson does, what is called brushless motors. We use magnetic energy to turn the rotor inside. We have no contact between the rotor and the stator and we have an efficiency in those motors of greater than 98%. Well, so for every joule of energy we put in, 
we only have a loss of about 2%, and that is because we have a bearing top and bottom, the very efficient bearings. But no matter, we still have some heat loss through those two, two bearings in that motor. Mm. But so yet, 98%. Wow. So even in that, and it's, it's I suppose, quite technical for the, for the mm. normal gardener um, sure. who's, who's buying our products at mm. home or looking to, to buy these products at home, but even that as a, as a concept, when you hear that figure, uh, 20% versus 98%, it's a no-brainer, really. Uh, and it's certainly the way things are going to go over the next couple of years. Absolutely. And today, John, the, uh, the new kid on the block is lithium-ion. Lithium-ion batteries, they have some fantastic uh, benefits. Mm-hmm. Quick charging, low self-discharge, very high capacities. So we use, we utilize lithium-ion today, but looking into the future, there are more things on the way. Okay. Like fuel cells and like more exotic metals for the, there's one, the lithium-iron battery, which is 10 times more, has more, 10 times more capacity than lithium-iron. But we have some sort of safety problems with it at the moment, but the, okay. the scientists are working on it. And that's all in the future. And just look at your cars, your motorbikes, your trucks. Yeah, everything is All changing. of this yeah, is changing. changing. So just to get back to the automower then. So as I said, the, the concept has been around for a long time and, mm-hmm. and has gone through several iterations. And it is now um, a very, very efficient way of cutting grass, uh, time-saving. It's, uh, it's actually a lot healthier for the lawn as well. So maybe give us a run-through just the versions that are there today mm-hmm. and I suppose every part of it so how someone makes the choice of model uh, what's the installation process from there the benefits and so on and I have some questions but if we don't cover them in the kind of discussion okay. we, we'll, we'll drop them in at the end okay no problem well what we have today is the way that we sort of decide on which automore it is that you require for your garden is is the size of the garden Obviously, the bigger the machine, the more grass we're going to cut. So we have a range of automores today. I think we have something like, in the Husqvarna range, I think it's 12, 12, 14 automores today. And they're all called after their cutting capacity. All of the models, from the 305 to the 310, 315, 420, 430, 450, 520, 550. If we take the last two digits of any of the model numbers, okay. so 305 is 05, and we multiply by 100, tells us how many square meters of grass that will cover in one day. Okay. So the 305 is 500, 310 is 1,000, 315 is 1,500, 2,000, 3,000, and 5,000 square meters. Okay. So by measuring your garden, and this is very easily done, John. If you go on, you can actually do it yourself. If you go on to automore.ie, okay, and you'll see the buyer's guide yep. in there. Just go down. You can put in your address or your um, or your air code, and you'll see your garden. And you can use the tool that's in there just to put the points around your garden, and it'll actually give you the square meterage. But not only that, we'll then recommend which automore it is that you should have for that garden. Then after that, John, you have to decide, well, do I want more benefits? Do I want, you know, the X models come with GPS navigation, also come with GPRS communication system, has a more professional look to it. So depending on what you want, the big decision is the size of the garden, the machine should be capable of cutting that within a 24-hour period. Okay. After that, it's extras. And that's what our X-Line, 315X, 430X, 450X. The X stands for extras, and that's what you get with that. And those extras that we're talking about, that's uh, the app on your phone, the ability to... Yeah, we have a GPRS system, which is the communication system. We use 2G, 3G network, so that you can communicate with the machine, and the machine can communicate with you. We can create what's called a geofence within your garden. So we put them all into the center of the garden when the machine is being commissioned. And we locate that point within the machine. And if the default setting in the machine is 200 meters, so if the machine leaves 
in any direction 200 meters from that center point, the machine will send you an SMS to say that the machine has left the garden. Okay. But not only that, we'll send you the new geographical coordinates of where it is. So you can put it into Google Maps and go and get your more, more back. Okay, well that probably answers one of the questions. One of the questions was theft. Mm -hmm. And so that essentially takes out that element of it because it's... Well, we've, I can give you a couple of anecdotes that we've had there. I'll give you one. It might be of use. I don't know whether you want to use it or not. But we had one of our dealers down at Tullamore. And his own more, he got an SMS while he was in the shop one day to say that the moor had left the garden. Okay. So he got in the van with a couple of lads and they put in the new geographical coordinates and showed them that the moor was now out in the Bog of Allen. Okay. So they drove out the Bog Road and came to the point where the moor was and there on the side of the road they seen a blue tarpaulin. They lifted the blue tarpaulin and there was the Ottomar sitting in a bog hole in the middle of the Bog of Allen. Okay. But not only was it his automore that was there, all of the stolen power tools in the vicinity for quite a while were lying in the bog hole as well. Okay. So the dealer rang the police, told them, they came out, he said, that's my automore, and he said, fair enough, and he took the automore away. They set up sting operation and found a number of guys who were stealing power tools in the oh. locality. So not only did it find the Autobar, it no, found everyone else all of the well. power tools <laughs> that were stolen in the area. Um, yeah, so that, that basically answers that question. The, the element of theft is, is pretty, it's non-existent with, with the more modern technologies, be, be fair to say. Um, so after somebody has chosen the mower that suits them, what's the process of installing it? Okay, we do suggest that you'd have uh, your local Husqvarna service agent put it in for you. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're technically minded, it is not that difficult. There are a few things that you need to get right. Yep. But the one thing with all technology, you need a backup to it. And if something go, happens to go wrong, then it's handy to have somebody who's installed it comes out and knows exactly what it is. So we would recommend that you would have it installed. The dealer will come out, he will map out your garden, do a drawing of the garden, know exactly where all the flower beds are, where there's drop-offs on curbs, does he need to come across the driveway, is the garden divided by a driveway in the middle, which an awful lot of Irish gardens are. And he will do a drawing of your garden and then work out the best possible position to have the charging station. Because the critical point of installing an automore is the positioning of the charging station. Because we use three methods to find the charging station, so whenever you're more, just a little bit technical again, full charge on your battery is 20 and a half volts. Fully discharged is 17 volts. When the mower reaches 17.5 volts, it will look for the charging station. Okay. It switches the cutting motor off and proceeds to look for the station. If you have a particularly complex garden, then the mower needs one of three ways to find its way back. The way that we like to get it back mostly is with the radio signal. We emit two ra radio signals from the charging station. One is what we call the F signal. It's about a 7-meter signal right around the charging station. So theoretically, John, the best place to put a charging station is in the middle of the garden. Okay. Impractical, of course. That so happen. what we do is we put it, or we recommend that it's put, should I say, in the most wide open area of the garden okay. so that we can utilize that seven meter signal to bring the moor back in any direction, thereby reducing the risk of tracking in the garden. Okay. If we have a particularly complex area where we have to go through narrow gaps or across driveways or whatever, we utilize guide wires. So we use these guide wires as navigation highways to bring the moor out to remote areas, but also to bring it back. So whenever the moor is looking for the charging station, it will look for the radio signal first. And the default inside in the moor is three minutes to the guide wire. So for three minutes, it will look for the radio signal. Okay. If it's in the vicinity of the station, it will find it very quickly and enter the charging station. If it happens to be across a driveway or down a narrow gap, it's not going to pick up that seven-meter signal. So after three minutes of looking for that signal, it will now look for the guide wire. Okay. 
But it's not just looking for the guide wire, it's looking for the radio signal and the guide wire. It will then follow the guide wire up until it meets the, the F signal. Okay. And then navigate to the N signal, which is a radio signal about one meter around the charging station, and that navigates the machine into the station. Okay. We can also utilize the boundary wire. We have a default setting to 11 minutes to the, go to the boundary wire. So if it happens that it can't find a radio signal, it can't find the guide wire, it will follow the boundary wire. Okay. It is the least um, option that we would like for to follow. Because if we have to happen to have um, flower beds or whatever in the installation, then we have to come around the flower beds. Yeah, and so, yeah. so it's a bit more complicated, but it's there. So there's three ways in which we can follow back to the station. Radio signal, guide wire, or the boundary wire. Okay. Um, on your installation then, so you, you, you vaguely mentioned it there to start. Uh, if a lawn is split and divided by a tarmac driveway or any sort of a driveway, mm -hmm. how, how is the automower able to navigate between the two flower What we do is we lawns? create a corridor between the two areas across the driveway. Mm -hmm. What we say is our automower can drive in a gap as narrow as 60 centimeters. Okay. So all we need is 60 centimeters to get it across. But the automower doesn't know that the driveway is in grass. It can't determine whether yeah. the, the driveway are, are, are grass. So what we suggest is that you make a two meter gap across the driveway. The reason there, John, is that if the gap is too narrow, the mower will find its way at some stage, especially if it's an X model and we're incorporating the GPS navigation that we have, which uses a method of mapping your garden so it knows exactly itself where it should go mm -hmm. and where it needs to cut. It will go into that driveway and it will be bouncing around there like a pinball. And maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, <laughs> but soon somebody is going to drive in through that and driveway and run over that <laughs> automower. So by having a two meter wide gap across the driveway, then the mower can escape either side when operating. Because okay. it's operating completely, completely randomly. Yeah. And what we do is we lay the boundary wire. So the boundary wire is a low voltage wire. We, we run a, a very low voltage around um, 18 volts DC. Uh, through the cable, which means that it's way below the European low voltage directive, which is around 40 volts. So we're working at around, it's around 18, 20 volts. And according to the laws of electromagnetic induction, a magnetic field is produced around that wire. And using your right hand rule from your phys basic physics in school, you'll know that uh, if your thumb points in the direction of the flow of the current, your fingers point in the direction of the flow of the lines of force of the magnetic field. So outside that wire is negative. The magnetic field is negative. On top of the wire, it's neutral. It's neither negative nor positive. Inside the wire, it's positive. So the machine is always looking just for a positive signal. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the boundary wire, a default setting will tell it that it can drive 27 centimeters into the negative signal before turning and going back to look for a positive signal. The machine can turn 360 degrees, never chooses the same angle of turn twice in a row. So by vectors, you know, vectors are, yep. they have both magnitude and direction, it's how it's how airline pilots fly aircraft. They know the direction they're going and they know the distance that they have to go. And the automower works out by vectoring. There's an algorithm in our microprocessor that will work out exactly how many square meters of grass that mower will cut in any particular hour, giving the capacity of the battery that it has. Mm -hmm. And just to finish off on that split driveway. Yep. So curb needs to be taken down on both sides um, if it's if it's flush you don't have a problem if you have curbs you need to take out two one meter curbs okay yeah. to give you the two meters on either side you put the boundary wire as you're laying the boundary wire you come across the driveway 
from one garden to the other. Mm -hmm. You then go around that garden, and then you come back across the driveway two meters. Yeah, and you need to you need to cut the tar or concrete yeah. or whatever it is Generally to get your use, pipe down exactly. or to get your wire if, down. If, if you're only laying it, a good idea is to just put some plastic conduit underneath yeah. if you're laying tarmac. Make sure you put some... Um, some hard tack on top yeah. or you might melt the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the conduit yeah. um, but generally what we do is we get an angle grinder and we just make three slots across the driveway and we drop the cable in and then we can just put black silicone yeah so it's so it's not you never even see yeah. it and then the third one as i said is the guide wire to bring it across the driveway and bring it back again okay um so after after it's been well i suppose a couple of other questions then mm -hmm. um, this is a regular question but I've seen the answer um, but you might explain it is it safe for pets and dogs cats and whatever else around it, the lawn how does the absolutely uh, I've seen this firsthand and um, one of the first automores I ever put in was in uh, Barberstown Castle and Ken the owner over there has the formal garden that they take the wedding photographs and it has a beautiful fountain in the middle of the garden okay. and he asked me would I put one in there because he wants to keep the grass in tip-top condition mm -hmm. and um, I put one in and he has it an old Labrador all right a beautiful pet now and when I put the automore in first he just barked and barked and barked at it and after about five minutes when he realized that the automore wasn't paying him any attention he just ignored it. And today, when I go over, well, it's been quite a while now since I was over, but the last time I was over, the dog was just lying in the middle of the garden, and the automore was hitting off him and just going just off turning in So if, if, if a, a pet is asleep, like an old Absolutely. dog is asleep, it'll just tip off them just and move. Just tip off them and go off in another away. direction. Okay, yes. brilliant. Uh, the other questions then, sloping site, how does it cope with slopes and kind of what is the, the maximum level of this is another one where we have introduced uh, last year our new uh, AWD model. We have a four-wheel drive model. Okay. But generally on our two-wheel models, um, we can work with slopes up to, around, we say, around 40-45% of a slope. We like to talk in percents here, John, because yeah. people have a much better concept of what the percentage of a slope is. Mm -hmm. But for people to understand what it is, mm -hmm. we say that we have, on our two-wheel version, we know that they do 50, 55% slopes. Which is a pretty substantial slope. And the way that you think about it in your own mind, and for everybody who's listening to this podcast, will get a really good concept of what it is. If you measure 10 meters, just step out 10 meters, mm -hmm. it will allow a change in elevation will work on a change of ele elevation of five meters over that 10 meters yeah if you take a 100 meter running track what everybody can get a concept 50 meters change in elevation over 100 meters if you think about it what's the highest thing that you'd have in the local village or whatever it's probably the steeple mm. in the local church so if you consider over 100 meters a change in elevation most steeples probably wouldn't be even be wouldn't 50. be 50 no exactly and if you look at it that's the start sort of slopes if you take our new 435x awd that one does 70 percent slopes well wow. i guarantee you that thing goes up a wet wall yeah. you have never seen anything like this it's fantastic yeah that's they're incredible slopes like if you, mm. <laughs> to be honest if you're if you're needing something on a bigger slope than that it's kind of mountain sheep you're looking for <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> um okay so that answers the the, the slopes one um mm. this is one that i suppose is the biggest concern for gardeners this being a gardening podcast is that when these guide wires go in it kind of you kind of need to have your lawn and your garden finished so in other words if someone has a plan in their head of uh, doing their lawns and adding adding in shrub beds and flower mm -hmm. beds as they go along and trees and whatever else other features um, then they're better to, they're not as it's not a good idea to put the autumn mower in at the very start of that process I, I think because every time they put in a new flower bed or a new feature 
it has to be reprogrammed. Am I am I correct in saying that? Not reprogrammed, John. It has to be rewired. Rewired. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. The, the, as I said to you before, all it's doing is looking for the negative or positive side of the magnetic field created by yeah. the current in the cable. But if you have flower beds, and you're putting in, you have to be careful where you're digging. Our biggest problem that we probably have, and we have a solution for that going forward as well. I'll tell you a little bit about it later on. But um, if you're laying a lawn, a new lawn, it is a very good idea to put the cabling in first. And as soon as the grass starts to show, as soon as the germination process starts, put the autumn ore out on it. Have it set at the highest setting. Because it's so light, it's not going to do any damage. But it will promote the growth of the grass much quicker than just leaving it. And will also preclude the proliferation of weed in the lawn okay the reason being is it never allows the, the weed to grow if the flower doesn't come onto the weed then it doesn't it doesn't propagate so by putting it in early the earlier the better with the autumn okay and so all you need to do then is if you, if you do add in extra flower beds afterwards you, just you put either in extra wire yeah just word them off just word them off it's a simple process it's just a matter of cutting the boundary wire, bringing the cable in to the, the flower bed, you go round the flower bed. This is something that's one of the reasons why I would recommend that um, a dealer would put in the Automore, is that if you go the wrong way around an island, like a flower bed or a, a trampoline or something like that, you will have reversed the current in the cable, <laughs> thereby reversing the magnetic field. Yeah. So what's supposed to be positive inside the garden is now negative yeah, yeah. and outside is positive so it will actually sit in your garden and say outside the work area when you know that well it's not yeah yeah but because you've reversed it so you have to go around the islands the correct way and then when you come back out you put the cable into the same channel as you went in that creates a different magnetic field that it's not looking for, different frequency, and the more will drive over that part, mm-hmm. but won't drive into the flower bed. So if you need to make changes, it's very simple to make changes going forward for flower beds and things like that. Yeah. Um, trees, shrubs, hedges, um, trees in the middle of a lawn, it's the same thing. Trees in the middle of a lawn, uh, we have a couple of uh, things that we'll say about that. If the trees are strong and healthy, we don't have a problem. Just let it bounce into them. Okay. It's not going to do any damage to the machine. Um, on the bigger machine, the 450X that we have, we have ultrasonic sensors. So if it senses something, it drives quite fast. That's the reason why we can get 5,000 square meters cut with it. But if it's coming up against any object in front of it, it slows right down, bumps into it, and then goes off in another direction. With the other mowers, the speed that they drive at, no problem. Let it bounce into them. Okay. Where you do have an issue is if you have root systems that are above the ground, yeah. you have to wire them off. Because if you don't, the blades will get damaged quite regularly and you'll be changing them quite often. Yeah. So if you have root systems above the ground, wear it off. Okay. Create an island. The other thing is with saplings or with um, fruit trees, which have a very soft bark, constantly being bumped into by an autumn can damage the bark and thereby create disease within the fruit trees. So all fruit trees should be wired off. But if you have saplings and you've just planted a new garden, a good idea there is instead of wiring them off, is to put something around them, like a tire or a little picket fence or something, so when they get developed enough, then you can just take it away, and then you get cut right up to the edge of the Okay, a little tire, yeah, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, the longevity of the units, so obviously they're, they're gone now since the 90s, but mm-hmm. current units, um, what kind of longevity is somebody getting out of them? Well, so Theoretically, John, I can keep the automobile going forever. You know when you get your tractor lawnmower or your pedestrian lawnmower repaired and then the cost of the repair far outweighs the economic value of the machine? We don't have that issue because if you consider that a tractor lawnmower, for instance, if you take the gearbox, you take the engine, 
you take the chassis, you take a collection system, you take all of those. We have over 3,000 items of spare parts. In an automobile, we have 27. Wow. So you can change individual wheel motors. You can change a cutting motor. You can change a front loop sensor. You can change a main board. You can change any one of those 27 components, and it's still economically viable. So I can theoretically keep that machine going forever, as long as the parts are available. Yeah. We have automores out there. The first of the Gen 2 automores came in 2002, and they are still working out there. My own automore at home is 2006. Okay. And I've only ever, I only have a small garden, but I've only ever put one battery into it. And it's been going since 2006. So 2006 to yes. 2020, 14 years yes. and, and that, one battery. That is the automore I have at home. Wow. And the, another one that you said there, 2002. But theoretically, we can still keep them going because it's economically viable to do it. Yeah. But then most people, when they look at it, and I look back to 98 and sort of smile to myself when I see what I was working with at the time, people want new technology, want all of the new developments. Yeah. I think it's a good opportunity here just to throw in something that's coming down the line. Very shortly, we will have installations with no boundary wires. We have what's called our new EPOS system, which is, stands for Exact Positioning Operating System. And we draw virtual boundary wires around your garden. Okay. The question that you asked about flower beds and putting them in, you can draw virtual Say, for instance, you're having a bouncy castle in for the kids on a Saturday afternoon. Just draw a virtual boundary around the bouncy castle for the time that it's there. Okay. And, and then when you take it out, just scrub it. That's going to be done on an app or something, is it? Yes. It well. will be done from the app on your phone. So very shortly, we will have no need for boundary wires. Yeah, well, that was actually my next question because... In a way, the, the, the wiring unit is similar to the dog collars, the yes, it is. Uh, containment systems for mm. dogs. Yes. And I know that down, well, it, it's around a couple of years, but I believe at the start the technologies weren't the best, but I'm told that type of technology, that wireless technology for dog collars is really, really good now. So The, I, wor the wireless technology, John, is excellent. And I've been working with uh, a company who are developing this, yeah, well, that'd be great, particularly for people who are developing their gardens yes. and are not at that stage where, you know, this is the garden finished, I'm happy with it, where they are adding in new things to be able to, to change it yep. without any big, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I know it's not a difficult process, but yeah. it's a lot easier for people if they don't need to get mm -hmm. wires changed and so on. So, um, In terms of servicing, so you've, you're, you're, going, you're more going since 2006 mm -hmm. and in terms of replacement parts, it's only one battery that that mm -hmm. you had to do. But in terms of servicing, is there a sort of service schedule? Should yes, we, do we, we strongly recommend that you have the more service once a year. It's what we call winter service. And a winter service will involve bringing it, or the dealer, we, we have three ways of doing this. And the dealers can offer one of three services. One is the basic service. You bring the machine to the servicing dealer. He, depending on how many years service it is, for the, a one-year service would be to fully clean the machine, to check all of the components, to update the firmware on the main board, and generally just check it over. In a year three service, then we would open the more, change all of the seals in the chassis to make sure that um, we have no uh, water ingestion, so seals are changed update the firmware we also change the breeder we have to have a breeder in the system because if we don't we would have condensation build up on our electronic components inside so a three-year service would be a more advanced service but not a huge deal of difference but we do recommend that you bring it in for winter service because if there has been any updates in the firmware that's the most important thing after three years it's very important that you'd have the seals changing it so that you're not getting any water ingestion. When it comes to the actual servicing that the customer can do, we strongly recommend that they clean it regularly um, because grass build up around the, particularly the collision sensors and that can cause uh, malfunction, can cause false readings. That, okay. you know. So 
Cleaning it is very simple. It's just a matter of pulling off the top cover. Remember to just disconnect the, the charging lead before you do it. And then with a brush, just brush it. We do not recommend that you wash the machine with water. It is very important because the other thing that we'd recommend is that you don't allow it to run in casual water. Because we have a breather system in the machine, the blade motor, the blades turning in casual water or the wheels splashing in casual water can cause water to get in through the breather system. A couple of final questions then. Mm-hmm. Um, lawn quality. So yeah. as we know, regular cutting, um, regular mulching or mulching as, as it should be, which is done every, every three to five days, is very, very beneficial for a lawn. So mm-hmm. it would be fair to say that lawn quality when using an lawnmower is improved Mm-hmm. as opposed to well, uh, using standards. Yeah, exactly. If you consider the grass and the height of the growing season here in Ireland grows at about three sixteenths of an inch a day. Okay? And if you have your automore cutting every day, it's not recommended that you do that. It recommended that you would cut it maybe three times a week in the height of the growing season. As the season goes on and the growth is getting less prolific, cut it down to two days and then one day. But in the height of the season, three sixteenths of an inch, and you're cutting it every second day, so that's six sixteenths of an inch. Okay? When that cuts six sixteenths of an inch, the nutrient from that clipping is released almost immediately into the soil, thereby refertilizing the soil, thereby doing away with the need for artificial fertilization. As we had a discussion a little bit earlier on before we started the podcast, John. Mulching in Ireland is a euphemism. Yeah. Uh, people think that they go away on their two weeks holidays, they don't want to cut the, collect the grass because the council won't take it, or you know, they've nowhere to dump it, so they euphemistically go out and they mulch the grass. They stick the mulching plug in the back of the tractor. What they're doing is forage harvesting. Journeys. You end up with just trumps of grass yeah. in the lawn, which dies off and creates an incredible amount of thatch in the lawn. And by having that thatch in the lawn creates two distinct problems. One, you get poor drainage in the lawn. And if you have poor drainage, you will know because you will have moss in your lawn. Yeah. And it's a bugger to get rid of. Yeah. The second thing is you have no sunlight onto the soil. And everything on this planet is driven by energy. And the energy from this to this planet comes from the sun. If you can't get solar energy into that soil the soil dies nothing will live in it because there's no energy in there Mm -hmm. so by diminishing the amount of sunlight you can get onto the soil by having all that thatch in it you have an unhealthy lawn you end up with a lot of weed and a lot of moss which is what i see in a lot of gardens around Ireland. yeah for sure (laughs) exactly but with the automore because you're clipping constantly you're creating a very healthy plant because of the blade system that we have in the automobile, which is a very low energy cutting system, we have three little Stanley knives, flails. But because it's constantly clipping the lawn in both directions, because the motor turns in both directions, being a brushless motor, we can turn it in both directions. So we're clipping constantly in all different directions, thereby increasing the health of the plant. Because we're clipping constantly, the weed is never allowed to proliferate because it never gets to the point where it gets to seed. And once the grass, being a creeping plant, starts to take over, you end up with the most lush, beautiful green lawn. Weed-free and moss-free. Absolutely. I have to tell you, John, I am probably the worst gardener in Western <laughs> Europe. I'm like the carpenter who doesn't have good uh, presses at home or, or yeah. wardrobes. But I have never cut my grass since 2006. And I have the best-looking lawn in North County Dublin. Right. I guarantee you. Yeah, yeah. Come out and see it sometime. Brilliant. Because it amazes me to walk out that back garden <laughs> and to sit down in the patio of an evening, a nice summer's evening, if we ever get another one, with a glass of beer and watching a machine doing what I used to do and getting results which are 5,000 times better than the results I ever got. Yeah, yeah. 
It is amazing. Yeah, you, satis- you've got to see Great satisfaction in that, Absolute, all right. Absolutely. Your lawn is being cut while you're sitting now on you the beer. Exactly. Now you have it. Um, just a very, very f- quick little few. Um, mm. One of them is, uh, I have a toddler at home mm-hmm. um, who I think if she saw this in the garden might try and catch it. Mm-hmm. Um, from a safety perspective, again, what's... And the safety aspects are um, the blades themselves are low energy, small little standing noise. If a child did happen to come in contact with them, but we've worked it out that the child would have to be lying prone on the grass mm-hmm. with their hands outstretched. outstretched to make contact. This is not going to happen. The machine, once it hits something, turns and goes off in another direction. We also have lift sensors. So if the motor is lifted in any way, shuts off. it shuts the cutting motor off in a fraction of a second so that then there's no movement on the blades whatsoever. For children, you know, with little feet, mm-hmm. the cutting disc is well inside the body of the, the machine. Unit. Exactly. If you turn it over and have a look at it, yeah. you'll see that the cutting disc is actually more than the width of a child's foot inside, so that even if they put their foot under, the chances of them coming in contact yeah, with it would stop long before. Very, it absolutely. Would, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, then, if somebody has a lawn and they've been uh, churning it or forage harvesting, mm-hmm. as, as you said, mm-hmm. and it's not in wonderful condition starting out. Yep. Um, is there a certain condition that you need to get that lawn into before you can get Automore going? Um, no, you can put Automore going in because we have different height settings. We have basically eight height settings on most of our mowers. So and. On the smaller mowers, it's mechanically operated. You just turn a knob to adjust the, the height. With the bigger machines, they're electronically operated. You just press a button and you can raise or lower the height. And what we do recommend is that you cut the grass. Don't try to take it all at the one go. You're doing the same job as yeah. you were doing with the tractor. But use the height settings and get it down. What I like to recommend to people is to cut the grass to the height that they want it maintained. And then, whether I mentioned this before or not, the automower was built on the principle of a sheep in that it never allows the grass to grow. So whenever the automower goes in and you have it set for your three days at that height, it never allows the grass to grow to that, past that height again. And that's what creates the health of the lawn. If you do happen to have a lot of thatch in the lawn, I'd strongly recommend that you would have it scarified, that you would have it moss raked to get rid of it to give the lawn the best chance yeah. and then have the automower going and then you'd be absolutely amazed by what this machine does you have to see it to believe it okay um, you've given a superb description and uh, from a technical point of view you have everything covered there um, the final thing so automower cuts in all weathers yes I often say to people, it wouldn't be much use of a machine if it didn't cut in all weathers in Ireland. Yeah, because if you don't like the weather around here, hang on 10 minutes, it'll change. Yeah, yeah. But you can have all of the precipitation in the world, John, coming down on top of those machines. It'll make a blind bit of difference. And they work equally as well in the wet as they do in the dry. Okay. And do they cut at night? Uh, that was a question that somebody had from the point of view of hedgehogs. So can you set them to not cut at night time yeah, you, you can set it to cut at any time during the day a lot of people have a security uh, aspect to asking this question as opposed to the hedgehogs and I, I'll come yeah. back to the hedgehogs in a minute is that people concerned that somebody would see the automower out working during the day and maybe come in and steal it during okay. the night yeah. whereas you can have it come on at midnight cut through to the early hours of the morning it's completely silent. It doesn't make any noise. So it's not attracting it, yeah. attention to itself. It's green. It matches in with the, with the lawn. As I say, no noise. Completely works on its own in the dark. You get up in the morning to have your uh, egg and soldiers and the grass is cut. <laughs> what an amazing benefit Brilliant. that is. But you're right. If... You have animals in the garden, but the hedgehogs are nice. Yeah. And um, yes, and they tend to be nocturnal animals. They'll come out at night. So you can have it come on any time 
during the day. What we do is, when the dealer comes to do an assessment of your garden and does the measurements, we can work out how many hours it will take to cut your lawn. So we will make a recommendation bigger than what, it's, what you need. Yeah. Because then we add longevity. We're going to make the batteries last longer. So if we have a more, you have 500 square meters of lawn, we can recommend the 305. Five multiplied by 100. Yeah. So the 305, but it will take the whole day to cut it. Whereas if you add a bit of capacity in when you buy them more, maybe go to a 315 or a 310, only takes half the amount, even less of the time to cut. Yeah. So then we can have it where it would come on at nine o'clock in the morning and cut through to nine o'clock at night, maybe. Yeah. Thereby preserving the hedgehogs. Yeah, so you're not, yeah, you don't have to do it at night time then. No, you can set it for whatever times it takes to cut your lawn. Yeah, the very final question then is charging point requirements is just, you need to be able to get ESB to a point. Is there a little concrete pad or something that it drives up on or? No, we, the charging station has a base plate that is part of the charging station. Okay. But the machine actually sits on that when it goes into the charging station. The charging station is very unobtrusive. It's very low to the ground. It doesn't attract, again, attention to itself. We do recommend that you put it in the most wide open area to utilize that seven meter signal. We do recommend that you'd have it on a flat piece of ground because if it's not, the machine can hit the top of the charging station and not dock properly. So what we'd say is put it on a flat piece of ground. You can put it on a, a plinth if you like, but generally just sitting on a flat piece of lawn is perfectly well. Okay. And all you need is a power point to there. What you need then is you need to have a 230 volt domestic supply. What you get is a transformer, which you plug into a domestic supply, but you get a low voltage cable. It comes with a 10 meter cable as standard, but you can buy a 20 meter cable. So that if your power supply is 20 meters away, yeah. you just bring the low voltage cable over. So. Okay. That's, I think you've pretty much covered everything. It's, uh, it's an amazing concept. Um, well, I suppose it's not concept anymore. It's, it's, uh, it's becoming mainstream now, which is, which is beneficial. We're, we're starting to see now different reports about emissions from, from cutting of lawns and so on. So it certainly is the way to go. You've answered all the questions brilliantly, and there doesn't seem to be anything there that there's any grey area on or anything that would be concerning to people. Uh, so, Andy, absolutely huge thanks coming on Master My Garden podcast. As I say, a wealth of knowledge. You'd know you've been working at it for a while. Um, you have all the answers. And as I say, thank you very much for coming on this week's podcast. And I'd have to say it's been a very great pleasure. And I hope it comes across from the interview how enthusiastic I am. And if I can get up and be enthusiastic at 60 years of age, every day, and every day is a new day because I'm looking forward to EPOS. Another thing, just to give you a quick one. In another few years' time, we won't be using charging stations. We'll be charging using Wi-Fi. So wow. this is the sort of thing that we're looking forward to. And as I say, for me, as a technical man, it's a joy. And it gives me great pleasure. And I have to say that having done this interview, I hope it comes across how enthusiastic I am. But do yourself a favor. Get yourself an automore. Yeah, for sure. It does come across. You're, you're very enthusiastic and very, very knowledgeable. And it's great to see, as I say, uh, somebody with that level of, like, there's none of the questions there that there has been any grey area. You've, you've answered it brilliantly. So, again, as I say, thank you very much, Andy. My pleasure. Thank you. So that's been this week's episode. Um, as I say, it's amazing to know what's coming down the tracks with these automores. And it's, you know, it, it sounds like a no-brainer from, from the point of view of taking out that element of having to cut the grass and from a lawn quality point of view as well to be able to keep tipping the lawn all the time so you're not getting that that big build up of of grass if you're mulching or you know you're not having to to take it away and uh, either dispose of it or if you're if you're composting it it's a lot of green waste to be composting um, you need a lot of brown waste then to balance up that so to be able to take out all those elements the environmental factor of of burning you know, quite a bit of petrol every time you go out and mow your grass um, all those things make Automore sound like a very very attractive option and what's coming down the tracks in, tem- in terms of the, the wireless systems that sounds amazing you know if you as he said if you have uh, your Automore set up and you happen to bring in a bouncy castle for a weekend 
well you can actually map around that bouncy castle so that the auto mower doesn't doesn't go near it um, while it's there and then you can just blank it out afterwards to have that level of control over the auto mower is amazing and i think andy has huge enthusiasm for it huge knowledge he answered every question with absolute clarity there's no gray areas now and for me uh, definitely something that i'll be investing in in the very near future so huge thanks to andy for coming on a uh, brilliant chat brilliant knowledge brilliant enthusiasm and uh, as i say great great to have somebody with that level of, of knowledge on and that's pretty much this week's episode i hope you enjoyed it. it's a slightly unusual one uh, not something that we've covered before i've never covered anything on gardening equipment before before but it is a question that i regularly get asked i know a lot of people are considering them at the moment and you know it, it answers the questions and, and maybe takes out any element of doubt that people may have about them so that's it uh, thanks for listening and until the next time Happy gardening.